0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Mondays with Maximoff. We are here with The Basement Binge. Harrison has joined us again, and Rob is with me for episode two here of WandaVision. So, really excited about what happened in episode one, and super looking forward to talking episode two, spoilers, and everything in between. So, uh, welcome back to the continuation of Mondays with Maximoff, and... I'll let you get started, Harrison. With let's get into that two-minute warning of what are your thoughts on episode two?
1: Uh, yeah, it's hard to not go spoilers. It's just kind of the nature of the show. But uh, I thought that the two-episode release was really good. I said this in the last episode. It allowed episode one to kind of set up the formula, set up the the, the environment, the way that the show was going to work, the way that the, the weirdness of it, the, the sitcominess of it. And then episode two just leaned more into that and just let it be without having to acclimate the audience. Um, So there was a lot of it that was a lot lighter. Um, It was a little more relaxed because there wasn't so much of a responsibility to provide some type of introduction. Um, So it's weird. I I watched episode one and immediately watched episode two, and I was like, oh, my gosh, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty. Like the multiverse is going to come out in episode two. And then it doesn't. And that's not a bad thing. It, it very is relaxed. It's moving at a slow pace. It hints at a lot of things, um, which is very, very exciting. But episode two just lets you enjoy more of the goodness of Elizabeth Olsen, Paul Bettany, um, and also, I'm forgetting her name, uh, Catherine Hahn. And just enjoy the w- whatever's going on whatever we're observing here in WandaVision, there's something that's abnormal. And there's these characters that are existing in this sitcom and their episode two was just enjoying what that meant while still hinting at the future of what's to come. And it was just, it was simple and it let itself be simple. And I liked it for that.
2: Awesome. Rob, what are your, uh, what are your spoiler free thoughts on on episode two? You know, we talked about it, um, On the episode one recap, I'm definitely in agreement that it was a phenomenal idea on Disney's part to release two episodes back to back, especially considering they're fairly short, you know, some of the Mandalorian episodes were were around, you know, this, this episode's runtime is 36 minutes. Uh, some of the Mandalorian episodes were, were kind of short and some of them were a, a little bit longer than that. But um, to really bait the hook. Now, like us nerds, we're watching this thing every week, no matter how they release it. They could release it in 15-second segments at 2 o'clock in the morning and we're going to figure out a way to watch it. But for the general public, this is the first MCU show that they're trying in this way. And it's important to get people excited for it. It's important to get people interested for it and with what they're trying to do i really think they needed to go back to back like this because after that first episode and you're not really sure what's going on there's there's just a little bit of a hint there that something's not right but certainly by the time we get to the end of this one we know something is very not right and it spins forward and it really sets it in motion for for what's going to happen. We're going to watch episode three, certainly through the lens of what happened at the end of episode two. Um, but yes, it's it's more fun. We get more Vision and Wanda, and they're fantastic together. We get more Catherine Hahn, and I just can't say uh, how great she is in both episodes so far. Just She is so much fun, really overdoes that character's role to the appropriate amount that that should be overdone. Um, I will say there's there's parts of this that kind of dragged for me. Um, there's definitely a lot of a lot of chatter on the interwebs about maybe this show's kind of slow. There's people out there who've said they were kind of bored by the first two weeks, or some am sorry, the first two episodes of One Division. And there's definitely parts as we'll get into of this that there's probably about ten minutes in this episode that really dragged in real time watching it live on a rewatch, I just was like, Oh God, when is this over? Like there's, there's two scenes and they run them back to back that to me, I'd never need to see ever again.
0: Yeah. um, I still think episode two is good. I believe there's more, you know, hints as to a larger picture of what's going on. So I enjoyed episode two, but yeah, it's really hard Harrison. Like you said, to sit there and, not talk about these episodes in a non-spoiler way. So what I'm going to say here is similar to episode one. uh, This is where we're going to get into spoilers and really break stuff down. So uh, any listeners, if you have not watched these episodes and you don't want anything spoiled for you, uh, pause the episode, go watch the show and then come back and, and listen to the rest of it because here's where we get started. And Harrison, I'm I'm going to let you get started with what do you think, especially because of the fact we get another um, commercial where there's some hints at what's going on. Uh, I'm interested, and it's kind of jumping out of the order of the episode in which it airs, but I think this commercial really hints at wanda's broken psyche and that's you know obviously something's really wrong here with one um the commercial being hydra so i'm gonna let you start
1: uh yeah so i kind of have two well i'm getting ahead of myself i think that the commercials are such an interesting addition that adds such a they're like what like 10 seconds but they can mean so much Or it's just like a funny thing to do because this is a unique opportunity in the MCU. And it's just fun to do something like that. And it fits the weirdness that WandaVision is. So like we were saying in all of episode one, it's either extremely important or it's just there because it's fun. And it fits the tone. But if it's extremely important, this is what I think about it. The first episode, we got uh, a commercial that was about Stark Industries. Kind of hinted at the past that Wanda's had with the ticking bomb from Stark Industry that would just kill her parents and she laid next to waiting for it to explode, but also how Stark Industry allowed her to move on from her future, both with her being involved in the Avengers and the good and bad that came along with that, how Stark Industries is responsible for Ultron and the good and bad that came from that with her, and how Stark Industries is responsible for Vision and the good and bad that came from that with her. Um, and that Stark commercial with the toaster had a very foreboding nature to it. And now we got this one. It's a Hydra watch. And the name of the watch actually is Strucker. They call it the Strucker watch. And if MCU viewers, fans of Age Voltron, know that Strucker is the scientist who experimented on Wanda and Pietro and gave them their powers. This commercial, having a deep connection to what you would think would be a negative part of Wanda's um, life, was much more more lighthearted. It was more... Uh, uplifting, more, more exciting, less foreboding. You know, even at the end he said, Strucker, he'll make time for you. And it, you know, typical commercial fashion, you know, it really had you buy into the the quality and the goodness of this watch. I just think it's, it's so interesting. So, so my two ideas are a few things that are happening. Someone who's not good, you know, bad guy to put the simple label on it is manipulating Wanda in some way where she's experiencing something and they're trying to rewrite or reinfluence her experiences in life and have her reevaluate what is good, what is bad. And they're doing it in very simple messaging um, that really takes those moments of influence and uh, you know, important moments in her life and kind of repositions them as a commercial. That's kind of my first theory. My second theory is that this is Wanda doing it to herself. And it is just a oh, severely wounded, severely broken PTSD Wanda with, you know, multiverse altering powers and all the complexity that comes along with that. And how all of that is mixed up together to make these weird commercials to the point where maybe even, wa- not maybe, Wanda doesn't even understand the complexity and weirdness of it but she's experienced it because of everything that's going on in her head. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was very, very intriguing. But, again, like I said, it could absolutely mean nothing, and it's just a fun detail. But I think it, that it does mean something.
0: Yeah, Rob, I'll uh, Rob, I'll let you follow up. What's,
2: what's your thoughts on that? So – you know the the watch was immediately. Um, I recognize the name. We we know who that person is. Um, and, I, and of course the Hydra logo. You, you can't help but notice it. I mean this one was definitely not a wink. This was a outright hit you over the head kind of kind of um, here we're putting this out there. Um, so if you think about what we saw in the commercial from episode one, um, it was something Stark Industries related. It was a ticking time bomb, really. And if you think about the severe tragedies that Wanda has experienced in her life, the first one with the death of her parents was a result of Stark Industries. You think about the, the terrible things that happened to her with the experimentation on her and her brother, that was at the hands of Baron Von Strucker. Um, you fast forward to the next tragedy that really that happens in her life. It's the death of her brother. i'm I'm kind of hypothesizing that next week's commercial in episode three will have something to do with his death. will somehow relate to his death uh, from there. Um, could episode four have something to do with the death of vision, um, or the breaking up of the Avengers and then the death of vision and then her own death? Um, if you think about the kinds of things that have happened in her life, Um, and just the actual tragedy you know you see certainly when we get to the end of episode two when she just dismisses the idea of who this beekeeper is and what he might actually be and just says no which is very house of m like in house of m she just says (laughs) no more mutants and Gone Like it's this whole alternate world. Spider-Man's involved that he pretends to be a mutant, but he's actually not like it's this, it's actually a really great series. If, if uh, for those listening have never had a chance to read it, uh, go check it out. I recommend it. It's a lot of fun. It's kind of cool. You know, because it's an alternate world, they can do some stuff. That's a little bit different than, than what we get in in normal comics. So I sort of like those, but she just says no and dismisses it right away. And it rewinds back to where her, she and vision are in the living room and they're sharing this happy moment of acknowledging she's now miraculously seven months pregnant like out of nowhere (laughs) um so it's like she's i think she is in control of this i don't really believe this is something being done to her i think she has initiated it and is in some level of control over this reality but you go back to you know, and every time something threatens that reality, it spins a decade forward. So we started in the fifties. We've moved into what we probably believe is the sixties for this for this episode, and then by the end of it, we're into the seventies. And every time there's a trauma, she keeps the illusion moving forward. Um, and again, you think about everything that's happened to her. She has the death of her parents. She has probably what I would imagine is some kind of real torture to infuse her and her brother with these abilities and powers. Um, She has this incredible grief and not really having time to deal with the fact that she had to kill Vision herself, only to have it mean nothing because Thanos just re-brought him back and just used the Time Stone to rewind time, brought him back just to crush his head in front of her. have it mean her her sacrifice the terrible thing she had to do to the person she loved ultimately meant nothing and that was in all of infinity war to me that was probably the biggest gut punch moment of all of it was just she made the decision to do it and, and then it meant nothing and it just that was i get chills just even thinking about it so then that happens she gets dusted herself and then she comes back to a world that has changed incredibly around her over the last five years She fights with her teammates. She wins the day. Everybody's back. Nobody's dusted anymore. Vision's still dead. And she has to deal with that. She has to deal with all these things. Everybody else has had the past five years to go to, you know, Captain America's grief counseling circle where they all (laughs) sit around and, and talk about, like, how messed up they all are over this and support one another. And she comes back, and there's no grief circle for her. Like, she just has to deal with this. And with her abilities, her powers, the things that she can do, um, that's why my belief is this is not being done to her. She is initiating this. Um, And I believe that very, very strongly.
0: Yeah. um, I I still have pause to wonder, though, with certain things because, you know, one of the things that we get, too, from – this episode is a voice saying Wanda, who's doing this to you and um, I don't know how familiar uh, the listeners are with with sword, but basically sword uh, appears to be who's monitoring this situation and for those of you who don't know, sword is basically the extraterrestrial version of shield. Uh, shield monitors the ground threats and sword monitors the the, the space threat. So I almost wonder if there is somebody manipulating because they're planning an attack. They want to keep Wanda out of the loop. Um, because why would, you know, if Wanda's doing this, how is, you know, if Wanda's doing this to herself, how is sword involved? Why are they monitoring the situation? Are they trying to casually break her from this reality because they're afraid it's, you know, it's almost like how they say when somebody's, you know, dreaming, you don't wake them up in their sleep because you literally could get destroyed by this person because they're not in control. Um, so I'm wondering if they're trying to ease her along this path. But I- I'm very curious with with sword because one of the main characters, and again, this is just all... With these episodes, you kind of have to just talk about what you think could be happening based on how it goes. But one of the key members of S.W.O.R.D. is Hank McCoy, which, again, based on casting, um, there's nobody that is cast that would seem like they would be Hank McCoy. But he's a huge part of S.W.O.R.D. And along with Evan Peters, like we talked about in episode one, being cast in this show, that's two members of the X-Men that potentially could be referenced in this show, which is, is really exciting to me. So, um, you know, kind of bouncing all over here with this episode, but Rob, you had mentioned that some of this dragged on for you. Um, what specifically were, was your part that you kind of just said,
2: you know, didn't really work for you in this episode? You know, there's there's about ten minutes back to back. Um, the ladies' meeting where they, you know, the cul de sac ladies all get together, it's kind of cringy. It's mm-hmm. it, it really feels out of place at times with all of the lightheartedness and some of the farcical elements we've seen so far and just the general fun when when they're not trying to be for lack of a better way, trippy or try to set the intrigue. It just felt like this, this woman is mean. I don't like her. I don't like her talking and I don't like the way she's treating them. And I don't like that. They're just taking it. Like, it's just, it's not a fun scene to watch um, immediately followed by kind of the men's group where they're all sitting in the library and, and it's just kind of, it not a whole lot happens. It's kind of boring. It doesn't really serve a whole lot of purpose other than just to get the gum in him. And, and that part, that part (laughs) is actually really funny later when they do the animated scene, that's right out of bewitched. Like that's really fun. Um, but those two scenes back to back really slow this episode down. I also, when you get forward to when they're actually doing the magic show, which is actually really funny, really witty. And I think it really shows, um, both the range of Wanda in her problem-solving skills, but also the range of Elizabeth Olsen, she just carries that whole scene. She and Paul Bettany together, are. we, we said it before, they're so great together. And she is amazing in, in, that, in that series of, of things that are going on. But when he's doing the card trick and he goes, is this your card? Is this your card? Is this your card? Is this your card? Uh, it just doesn't work. That, that bit just doesn't work for me. It's unnecessary. And it doesn't really, it just feels awkward. Uh, Harrison, what are, what are your thoughts on
0: that? You know, how does this episode kind of move along for you compared to episode one? Did you have any parts where you felt it was, you know, dragging or, you know, there wasn't as much, um, to enjoy in in episode two as there was
1: in episode one for you? Uh, it's an interesting question to answer because I think that I kind of set myself up for a weird experience watching it. Like I said, I saw episode one. I was like, okay, we are, we're acclimated to this weird environment that WandaVision is and what it's going to be. Okay, let's crank it up in, in episode two. And so I was just expecting like full throttle, pedal to the metal. Let's get into the multiverse madness episode two, which is I'm going to head myself there. So it started, and it definitely wasn't. So I like immediately had to take an adjustment. Okay, that's not going to be the case. I'm going to get more of the same thing in episode one, you know. And then I just got into like the analytical – I'm going to dissect every moment and see what it could mean because they're not giving me the multiverse. Now I'm going to think about how I could have the multiverse based off what I'm seeing here. So those moments, you know, with the meeting at the, the, the ladies meeting, whatever that was called that moment, I can definitely see how it would drag. And I think on rewatch, those moments would definitely drag, but I was like trying to suck out every detail of it. You know, the introduction of Geraldine, um, which I can talk more about in a second, the red blood and the reintroduction of the red color, which, you know, whoever had a rotoscope that and the helicopter, I'm so sorry for them. But (laughs) that moment, the, the sound on the radio with what sounds like, um, what's his name? I forget his name. Um, he's from Ant-Man. Jimmy Woo. Uh, Jimmy Woo. Jimmy Woo. You know, hearing him you know, I was just all of these moments. I was just sucking out all the juice from. So it was a really interesting way to watch the episode because it, it was never dragging. Cause I was always looking for the next hint. Um, and I think if I were to go watch it again, it would definitely drag.
0: Yeah. I, um, you know, I kind of feel the the same way there, Harrison, that there were so many things that we discussed in episode one that you feel could mean something, but might not. So you're just, because we don't really have a ton um, to go off of in the first two episodes, you're really, you're pulling it anything you can. It's almost like if you're, you know, being dragged away by a river, you're going to try, you're going to grab a rock. You're going to grab a branch. You're you're going to do whatever you can to, to make sure you don't just keep going down the path. Um, and, you know, this episode, like every little thing I was sitting there going, okay, well, why is this, you know, why you know, why is the helicopter the same color scheme as as Iron Man? Um, is that just a coincidence? I, I feel that it's not supposed to be. Uh, I feel that the color schemes have a meaning. But really, without just Harrison, kind of like you made reference to, just hypothesizing your own theory, there's really nothing to tell you what it actually means. So... I think maybe because I've already watched it once maybe a second rewatch of the episode would maybe do the same thing that Rob's talking about but that first watch it was really just trying to grab at everything to go I just I got to try and put some things together here because although I'm engaged my mind is just racing of of what everything meant Yeah definitely So Rob though what um in terms of sword and the helicopter and everything being in color, you know, what is, what's your theory on that? What is, you know, what's your theory on the importance of why it's in the same color as iron man's, you know, his suit. Um, well, for the most part, cause he had some different colors in his suits throughout the, the MCU, but it's the iron man that we know the color
2: scheme for that helicopter. You know, it's hard to think that's on accident. They're consciously making the decision to only show us certain things in color. In episode one, it was the beeping of the toaster in red. That was the only thing we really got in color. Um, In this one, we have the helicopter right away. Um, It's right towards the beginning of the episode. And you can see it does not sit right with her. And then they're just kind of off. Um, And and where I really think that this is kind of self-induced on her part is is Catherine han's character doesn't even respond to it like it's anything like they just kind of move on and they pretend like it doesn't exist it's hard for me to believe that the color scheme was not chosen intentionally um i'd also another iron man kind of wink or nod or or maybe it's something maybe it's not if you look at the wardrobe towards the end of their magic scene where uh she's supposed to appear i i kind of feel like that that sort of painted on image at the very top of it it's either like the minestone kind of painted on there or it could be iron man's like helmet um if you look at just sort of the the outline of it so it feels like there's continuing to be sort of stark like references to this um but uh sword is is certainly involved it seems like they're heavily going to be trying to to figure out what's going on here um, for those who don't know sword um one of the uh, acronyms that they use for it is sentient weapon observation response division which is a whole lot of words they just wanted to use the word sword is really what it is just like they <laughs> wanted to use shield they made something up to to make it work for it um and sword is sentient weapon observation response division um look if you just want to call your organization sword you can just kind of make it up what as you go along i guess um you know it it definitely feels as though this is perhaps an extension of the sokovia chords um that we 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 talked about in civil war and then it's briefly mentioned again in infinity war um and, and certainly it's part of Ant man and the wasp uh but outside of that for such a major event it really feels like the events of the sokovia chords kind of disappear and they're, they're i don't want to say they're forgotten about but um i kind of feel like they they should have had a bigger impact on the mcu as a whole and and it's hard to think that they're necessarily still in place at at this point after the undoing of the snapping um, and so on but um it feels like this is another offshoot and uh and i i have no way of knowing who all's involved you know we had talked about jimmy woo is his voice um that's saying wanda who's doing this to you which again he's the fbi agent from uh, ant-man and the wasp so uh, from babysitting a common criminal, he certainly got a big upgrade in uh, responsibility. Apparently, the FBI fast tracked him a little bit through into sword. Um, I'm I'm intrigued to see what happens next, though.
0: Yeah, uh, Harrison, you had mentioned that you had some some thoughts on the character that you brought up. Uh, why don't you get into those and you know tell us what you were thinking there with Jimmy Woo? Yeah, um, I believe you said you were going to get into that a little bit more. Uh-huh. Uh
1: huh. Yeah, so it's actually two characters. So it's Jimmy Wu, and then the um, lady that Wanda meets at the ladies' meeting. The one that's really nice to her and then is later, you know, magically becomes part of their magic act. Her name is Geraldine. She's the one that's kinder and she shakes her hand and then that main lady kind of interrupts them. Um, well, so that actress... I don't even want to try and pronounce her name because I'm going to probably mispronounce it. Tiona Paris. So she is cast as Geraldine, but also as Monica Rambo. Monica Rambo is the daughter of Captain Marvel's best friend. Um, I don't know her best friend's name, but the little girl in Captain Marvel, this is yes. like a grown up version of her apparently. So I've been thinking a lot about that and also Jimmy Woo and also shield. And this is, I have like a huge theory that would take a long time to explain that like is connected to the Sokovia Accords and all those things. But the short of it is that I think that, that Geraldine, or more importantly, Monica Rambeau, is a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. I think that that helicopter was her helicopter. That S.H.I.E.L.D., for whatever reason, is seeing that something's happening to Wanda. I think it's Wanda's own doing. But they are observing that there is a sentient weapon that is doing something that is altering the universe. And so they're observing it and responding to it because that's what they do to use every part of their acronym. They, so I think that she's a shield agent. She, or excuse me, sword agent. She's flying in on that helicopter. She gets too close to this pocket reality. The helicopter becomes a toy. And now Monica is now Geraldine, you know, in the meeting, she even shakes Wanda's hand and says, I don't know what I'm doing here. You know? So I think that she's going to have a big involvement as a sword agent and i think that jimmy Woo, especially with his involvement in ant-man and knowing that the third ant-man movie uh, quantum mania obviously is probably going to have a lot to do with the multiverse and the involvement of that and the 5 years that jimmy wu had between infinity war and you know wandavision now there's a lot that i think that jimmy wu and monica rambo are both involved in sword and part of the observation of wanda they're trying to respond to this super powerful weapon who, because of her own mental state, is affecting the universe. Um, And they're trying to respond to that. And I think that they're just, you know, one of them got sucked into the reality and is now Geraldine. The other one is on the outside trying to peer in through the radio and other things. I think it just connects to a a really exciting potential that the the series and the future of the MCU is going to go. That's
0: really... Uh, th- um, that's awesome. Actually, uh, that's a pretty good theory. <laughs> um, kind of got me uh, tongue tied there for a second, but you know, that's I, I like that because yeah, it, it definitely seems like again these things can't be coincidences. Every one of them. Now, granted, some of them can be, but there's just too much going on that everything can't be an Easter egg and just for fans um these things have to be tying to something bigger and i believe uh you're probably onto something there
1: but uh, i want that to be true i'm going on record (laughs) i've spent so much time with this theory there's like so many more components of it i just because like i said i watched episode two and i like really like overdid my excitement i was like let's get the multiverse as fast as possible which I don't know why I'm so excited for that. I don't really have a reason besides just being excited for it. And so then when it didn't happen and it was really like a slow burn, I just have spent way too much time, especially in preparation for this episode with you, just just dissecting everything and coming up with so many theories, which, you know, my track record with Mandalorian wasn't too good, but Mm -hmm. I think that I'm onto something here. Um, Just because there's so many things that the more I thought about it, the more they connect.
0: Yeah. Um that's really good and you know one thing that i'm wondering too is and here's one of my theories and maybe this is something that causes her to to really maybe kind of crack so to speak is i'm wondering if evans peter evan peter showing up if there's some sort of reference to oh you know pietro he's here and she sees him as quicksilver thinking that it's going to be her brother uh i'm wondering if one it's a way to introduce um the fox x-men universe if they're going to bring over some of the cast i I do believe regardless of those movies i think a lot of those actors probably deserve to continue playing those roles i thought they were really good and you know a lot of those movies regardless of you know how the movies turned out um But could that be one of the things that drives her over the edge is seeing somebody truly from an alternate reality that she's brought into her universe thinking, you know, I'm going to see my brother and seeing this guy as Quicksilver just really kind of, you know, starts a path of, you know, this is where we start to think, you know, see things go really south that she realizes that, you know, he's he's actually gone
2: to give some more support to Harrison's theory about the helicopter being how she gets in before she goes outside and picks up the toy helicopter, she hears the sound of a helicopter in her living room. And that's what causes her to go outside and look at it. So, um, ultimately I think Harrison's kind of onto something and, uh, and every week i'm going to be just texting him going dude you were so right as <laughs> as more pieces of this start to unravel i'd like to kind of point something out um in universe we've seen in captain america: and winter soldier we've seen arnim zola essentially upload his consciousness to like two football fields worth of reel to reel tape so mm-hmm. <laughs> you can in universe explain somebody kind of hijacking their own sort of consciousness into something else, which when we get to, I believe it's the end of this episode and somebody is kind of watching this as a TV show. Um, or I think that was the end of episode one, you know, somebody is watching this and you go, wait, how is that possible? Like, how is this, what, what is the explanation for that? Um, we've seen that it's, it could be, that's that, that could be just the, the, I don't know the energy that's given off from this sort of micro um, pocket universe or pocket reality that she's created. It's sending out this transmission and that's what sword is, is kind of keeping tabs on and trying to find a way to get into.
0: Yeah. There's, there's just so much that I, again, you just, say it again that there's so much here that you can break down and try and think of what is actually going on and what does this mean? Cause Rob, you know, I didn't even think about that really where she hears the helicopter. So, you know, subconsciously again, did she pull that, that helicopter into her reality and, you know, pull that character into her reality? Like Harrison said, um, You know, how does, you know, does it tie in? Does it mean something? And what is, you know, what is the beekeeper at the end? Because it's a little similar, the outfit to what AIM wears. Um, That Avengers video game, you know, that was recently released. AIM is the main focus of that game. It's an eerily similar costume. Uh, But Rob, like you said, you know, she realizes right away that, she does not want that person as part of her reality um, and immediately just rewinds time. So, you know, what involvement does that person have? You know, how much of this is going to really, you know, hit the fan, so to speak, when she finds out that this isn't the life that she's probably going to have this, this is not sustainable, so to speak.
2: She's going to run out of decades of TV at some point, you know. If every time we we believe that episode one is is supposed to take place essentially in the fifties, um, it's it's implied that episode two is the sixties. I mean, we have uh, "Help Me Rhonda" playing in the background by the Beach Boys, which was about nineteen sixty five, was when that came out. Um, and and certainly the the styles change, uh, the hairstyles change slightly. The um, just some things look a little bit different. Um, and then by the end of this episode, we know that we're into color. We're into the seventies. Um, pretty soon she's going to be completely out of decades of TV to spin her reality forward to keep, um, essentially escaping from these terrible traumas that she's just simply not willing to process. If, if some of my ideas are accurate. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. You know, Harrison, what do you what do you think we're getting in episode? What do you think we're getting in episode three? I think this is where some of your you know theories and whatnot really come into play. And I know you said you thought episode two was really going to get into the multiverse, but where do you think we're headed here with these next episodes? Um, do you think that we're we're closer? Is this really a slow burn season, so to speak.
1: Um, I think maybe a combination of both. I think that there's going to be continual hints of a fast moving pace, but Wanda is going to continue to try and maintain a slow burn. Um, But also at the same time, I think Episode 1 and Episode 2 were really used to give us some type of acclimation to what WandaVision is going to be. I think Episode 3 is going to be really different. I'm kind of cheating and really looking at the cast list here on IMDb. And it's really interesting to look at these characters that I've kind of assumed are going to be a big role. Um, You know, Like I mentioned, Tiona Paris, who plays Geraldine, in Episode 2, she's credited as Geraldine. Well, for the rest of the series, starting episode three, she's credited as Monica Rambo, Until episode seven, eight, and nine, she's credited as both. You know, Darcy Lewis from Thor 1 and 2, She her first credit is in episode three. Uh, Jimmy Woo, his first credit is in episode three. There's a tactical sword agent whose first credit is in episode four. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen, her credit changes from Wanda Maximoff for episode one and two to Scarlet Witch for episode three. So, you know kind of cheating here and using the advantages of IMDb I think that there's going to be some crazy things that are going to start to happen in episode 3 and it's just going to accelerate up to episode 9 and into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and the rest of the MCU I think that really WandaVision is going to be the jumping off point for the rest of phase 4 for the majority of it if maybe even into phase 5 I think that similar to how House of M, you know, we got the line No More Mutants, and it created its whole spin-off universe that was a ton of fun. I think that this is going to create, instead of the No More Mutants line, we're going to get the multiverse. And I think that it's going to really pick up all the way up to Episode nine, and it's going to get wacky. And I'm pretty excited about it.
0: Yeah, I mean they have. Uh, there were some interviews a while back that were very clear that this show does lead directly into. At the time, we didn't know exactly what it was going to be called, but now we do know it's Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Um, and I think you're really onto something there. With you know, we're not going to get the the No More Mutants line, and Rob, you talked about this too, but you know. Th- the multiverse of madness is to me probably going to be dictated from Wanda just being devastated that this reality isn't real. And it really just like breaking her psyche and it kind of like fragments, um, you know, into the multiverse. And I think maybe too, with all of the rumors that we're hearing that could be a really interesting way for Chris Evans to come back as captain America, but not exactly the captain America that we're used to. Um, But I think that will be for some, some further episodes, but Rob, you know, where do you think based off of some of the things that Harrison said and what you're, what you're seeing, you know, where do you think we're going here in these next couple episodes?
2: So, I definitely, I kind of like Harrison's sleuthing idea to kind of go through IMDB and see who's listed as what. (laughs) Um, However, I will say this, Marvel has specifically gone out and kind of messed with us before on purpose because they know that people are looking for stuff. So I want you to think back to when we first got trailers or anything about um, Avengers Endgame. And it was before... Um, or I'm sorry, I think it was Infinity War, and that those things started to come out before we got um, Thor uh, three and Ragnarok, and at the end of which he loses an eye and he wears the eye patch. So in Infinity War, all the promos leading up to it had Thor's eye digitally kind of fixed so that you didn't see the eye patch, and then when it came out, they changed the trailers again. At the beginning of End Game they it's you know he kind of gets that fake eye from rocket and then he's got an eye for the rest of of that um or i'm sorry i think that's in infinity war um but all the trailers for it still have him with the eye patch in so just little things like that they will go out of their way to kind of trick us or lead us down a different path or or kind of you know not keep us guessing so um you certainly you could be onto something with when those characters show up and how um But, uh, at the same time, that might just be Marvel just kind of saying, ha, you thought you figured it out. We got you again. Um, I, I, I think it would be hard for us to continue down this path without seeing something from the actual reality, you know, the, the 616 universe, I guess, if you, if you want to get comic booky, um, and, uh, and talk about the actual reality that we're concerned with, um. I think certainly we kind of need to see who some of these people are uh, that are trying to find out what's going on. I would I would love to see more about about what they think is going on and and certainly to the idea of maybe uh, Chris Evans coming back, I kind of have a theory on, on the possibilities on that. We certainly thought at the end of Endgame that he was kind of done with the character. We also thought that RDJ was done with the character of Tony Stark and Iron Man. And certainly we're hearing that. I believe it is it confirmed, Matt, you'd probably know this better than me. Um, it is confirmed. He's in black widow or have we heard that? Is that right? Um,
0: so I have heard from, I have read on sites that have been right for a lot of things. Um, they, made reference to Spider-Man three, having multiple appearances from characters from past Spider-Man movies. Uh, They were really um, the first website that I used to um, find out that the Snyder cut was officially happening. So I have read that. Yes, he is officially part of black widow, but uh, again, that movie is set before the events of an, now I'm not sure if that's correct, but I know it's, it's definitely set in between, I believe civil war and infinity war is when that movie's timeline takes place. So, um, you know, even though it's a brief scene, I heard he's in that movie for 10 minutes. You know, again, it's a far cry from him being supposedly done altogether. And he felt he fulfilled his arc, so to speak. So,
2: with them so people. I kind of want to, I kind of want play with time. that idea for a second. Yes, because we believed at the end of Endgame that Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. were kind of walking away from the Marvel Cinematic Universe and walking away from these characters. We really didn't believe that we would see them again, and and now I feel kind of differently about that. And I and I was firmly on board believing that that was the last we'd seen of them. And if we saw an Iron Man character, we saw a Captain America character it would be played by other characters, assuming that mantle. You have to look at our situation in the world right now with COVID-19 and how that's impacted theaters and how that's impacted um, what's what film studios are willing to do. Um, you know, Matt, you and I have talked about this before, but how many When theaters are eventually allowed to open back up again, um, how many of them are going to be left and how many of them are going to be able to show, you know, a a small budget rom-com or, you know, kind of a low budget horror movie that's got limited appeal? What's really going to dominate what theaters are going to be willing to show and what studios are going to be willing to invest in is going to be comic book movies. It's going to be the MCU the MCU is going to be kind of the only real guaranteed payday for a lot of people because they know it's a hit. It's proven. You will you will come see it. People will definitely put down their hard-earned dollars to go sit in a theater and watch it on opening night and not try to stream it at home like what Warner is doing with HBO Max. It That is appointment viewing. You must be in the theater for it. So where I'm going with this in relation to uh, Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr., When they walked away from those characters, they walked away from those characters in a different world. And now, yes, they're both very bankable stars, but the projects that are out there may not be as surefire as the paydays they'll get from the MCU. I I think that might have some influence on whether or not we see them return to these roles in some small part or even a large part. There just might not be a lot else they really want to take a chance on. I mean, was Dr. Doolittle really any good? I didn't see it, but I heard it was kind of crap. You know, like, what else What else is out there that's a guaranteed payday for them in the world that we live in today?
0: Yeah, um, so I just have to say, I can't believe you would ask if, if Dr. Doolittle was good. Um, he shoves his hand <laughs> up a CGI dragon's rectum to pull... <laughs> Trumpets and bones and literally a plethora of things out of it. Um, so yeah, um, the movie's fantastic. Um, you know, it, it's got all the makings of Oscar worthy. But um, you know, the the one thing too, Harrison, that I I find interesting. You know, you're saying how you're you know looking through a couple things. One, two, and like the Mandalorian, you don't get episode titles for these episodes, it appears. Um, so they're not giving anything away with these releases. There's nothing to really grasp at by the title. But also, two episodes one, two, and three are all going to be in that 30-minute block. This is confirmed. And then after that, it has been stated that it gets out of the sitcom format And the run times do increase based on episode four through nine. So that's where Harrison, I think, really, we could see some of these things that you're talking about where really you start to see glimpses of the real reality and what's going on here and who's watching Wanda, um, what the intention is and how far down the rabbit hole, so to speak, this really goes because the tone of the series looks like maybe not this next episode because it still seems in line. Um, But starting with episode four, it really seems like this where it's where we'll get a tone shift to see what exactly we're dealing with and how it might lead into
1: Dr. Strange. Yeah. I think it's going to be season or I keep saying season episode three is going to be very similar formula to episode one and two until the very end. It's going to be like a big kind of cliffhanger, little sneak peek of what's going to happen and then episode four we're falling down the rabbit hole and it's just going to keep going
0: yeah I, i like too that there is there's no gap here in between the episodes now um everything is now going to be week to week which i like and i think obviously going forward too when we get these new shows um You know, this is a a really different venture for them because the way that these things seem to be incorporated, um, Rob, you and I talked about this in our MCU review. These shows seem like they are going to be pivotal to these next phases, Um, that if you really want to stay up to date on everything, you, you need to watch these, which is definitely different than anything that has come before in this massive universe that is the mcu to begin with um it's you know only getting stranger and bigger
2: you know at the time when we did the um the second episode of ranking the mcu um you know one of the questions that you had asked me about was of the marvel television properties what am i most excited about and i didn't even mention wandavision i'm pretty sure i didn't then, when we did, um, you know, your Matt goes to the mailbox episode, where we really had to do a whole show just to break down what Disney was bringing to us, um, and on top of the the Warner announcements and things like that. But um, at the time when we really got to see more of what Wandavision was going to be about, um, my my interest in this show changed dramatically between when we did the MCU part two, all the way to when, when Disney had their investor day release where, Hey guys, here's everything we're bringing. And we got to see more of what one division was going to be. Um, it's hard to think that this, there's going to be a second season of this. You know what I mean? That just doesn't seem like it's something that's sustainable as a second season where something like Falcon and winter soldier probably can be. And I think we've already heard that Loki is going to be just a limited run uh, series. Um, you know this is kind of interesting that this is their first show um because it is so trippy and weird and not at all like what we've gotten it really feels like um falcon and winter soldier would have been a much safer uh release you know it seems like that would probably have been more in line with what we're used to probably an action thriller spy type series um but if i'm not mistaken that was intended to be the first show but um right the situation with covid 19 did change things and it, it kind of bumped this up am, am i right on that yes
0: yeah oh, right uh, yeah a hundred percent so uh you know to me though i'm I- i'm glad uh not covid obviously um but <laughs> you know like right. um yeah like hey um but no it's I enjoy the fact that this actually because of reasoning, um, this came first because, again, it's such a breath of fresh air, so to speak, because it is so different than anything that's come before it in the MCU that it, it was nice to get this kind of this curveball. And again, like we said, though, it it looks like pretty soon, though, it's, we're all going to be thrown for a loop here and say, wow, like this is where we're going with phase four. And even then, like we talked about, we're probably, you know, if 15% of what we're going to guess during this recap of this show turns out to be correct. You know, obviously I'm going to be surprised because I just think there's so many surprises coming in store because of everything that this studio has the rights to now. There's just so many directions that everything can go. Um, they literally have just an endless road to, to go in this universe.
2: If we get to the end of this and there's not a clear path to, okay, this is how the X-Men come in, or this is how the Fantastic Four come in, or, or any of these other characters, will you be disappointed?
0: i think i at least need to know that that is the plan um you know for me i mentioned this and harrison i think i talked about this with you just kind of individually a little bit the the x-men to me are going to be tricky because unlike the mcu and well everything's the mcu now but spider-man and thor um Iron Man, Captain America. To me, it's going to be a little bit tricky based on the X Men team and some of the characters to do any kind of individual movies for the X Men the way that the MCU does them. Because you know, Cyclops is going to have his own movie where the entire world is at risk, and he's powerful enough to to shut that down. Um, that's not really how it works. So I feel like. The X Men characters are going to be incorporated, you know, as not solo acts, but team ups in individual movies or cameo appearances, so to speak. So I think it's going to be a slow burn with the X Men. The Fantastic Four, obviously, you can do as a group setting. Um, but I at least need to know that the X Men are existing in this universe and maybe where they're headed and maybe some, some hints at uh, what we would get from a movie with them. I, I really do think that by the end of Phase 4, we need to see something like
1: that. Uh, Harrison, what are your thoughts? Uh, I think that I, uh, and I've read and listened to some interviews with Kevin Feige, the mastermind behind all this. I know that he's really uh, not too rushed to get the X-Men back. I think that he also understands – that the world, the movie-going pop culture world needs a break from the X-Men, you know, because of the difficulty that they have had, the negative reviews, the negative box office return. You know, some of those films are great. Other ones are not even close. And I think <laughs> also what you're saying, Matt, is a good point. The X-Men, especially with everything that's, that's been part of the MCU and that he's been building up, The X-Men are hard to introduce, and on top of that, just logistically, I'm sure that Disney always wanted to purchase Fox, but Kevin Feige had to make a plan as if that didn't happen. You know, his MCU plan is probably miles long and without the X-Men because he had no idea that he would ever have that opportunity, and now he does, and they're going to be worked in. I think it's going to be slow, but I do think that there's going to be a – reveal or a little sneak of how the x-men may be introduced i don't think it's going to be clear like oh here's your hint at mutants or here's a hint at the x-men but i think there's going to be something that's similar to how we're doing we're going to be able to draw a small detail and say you know this is what i think is going to lead to the x-men further down the road i just think it's going to take a while to get there i think we're going to get the fantastic four a lot more series other things before we even get any reveal of the x-men happening Um, And I think it's going to happen similar, like I think that going forward with MCU, there's going to be a consistent balance of limited run series movie, limited run series movie. And I think that those characters, you know, Moon Knight, She-Hulk, things that are going on with WandaVision, things that are going to go on with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, uh, uh, Miss Marvel, the the list goes on and on. These characters that wouldn't be good for a standalone film are going to be introduced in a... You know, limited run se- season or series and later introduced into the bigger whole of the MCU. I think it's going to be, um, you know, kind of like the comics where the series that are going to be on Disney Plus are going to be like the individual stories we have of the comics. You know, the characters comics yeah. run and then if every few years we have that big team up. You have Civil War, you have Secret Invasion, you have Spider-Verse, you have you know, House of M, whatever, whatever, whatever. whatever that's going to be kind of the film's responsibility is those big tentpole team up type nature things. Um, And I don't think that the series are going to continually get new seasons. I think it's going to be new series and they're just going to be limited run, Um, which is extremely exciting. Um, And I just trust in Kevin Feige's master plan. But I do think that the multiverse, especially for the next little while is going to be the biggest part of that, you know, we called Phases 1, 2, and 3 the Infinity Saga. Maybe we're going to call this the Multiverse Saga or something like that. I, I think that the Multiverse isn't just going to show up and then go away. I think it's going to show up and be a big deal for a long while, and then it's going to be resolved, similar to how in the comics they had the Multiverse, and then there's that one comic where they combined, like, the Ultimate Universe and Earth 616. Yeah. I think it's going to be similar to that. Um, but I think it's going to be a slow burn, and then maybe after that. So... I'm sorry, I've rambled on for a bit, but this is, this is what I think is going to happen. I think we're going to get a combination of series and movies throughout the multiverse, and I think we're going to get a lot of experience with the multiverse. And after a while, the entirety of Phase 4 and a little bit into Phase 5, that multiverse is going to come to a close, and when that's happening, I think that's when the mutants and the X-Men will be introduced. I think there's going to be tons of hints and tons of seeds planted that fans like us are going to recognize as the mutants, as the X-Men, but it's not going to be a real solid thing until a while lighter.
0: Gotcha. Rob, any uh any thoughts on that before we kinda give our overall impression of episode two here at Wandavision?
2: You know, I think by the time we get through Wandavision and Multiverse of Madness, um I would really like to at least have a sense of what this multiverse is actually going to mean. I'm not saying I necessarily want James McAvoy with a bald head rolling through a portal to be like, Hey, what's going on here? Everybody. Like that's probably not what (laughs) I want. Like, can we, we could probably all say that we don't, we don't really want that. Um, But I, I would kind of, I think there's so much tension and anxiety amongst people who care about these characters who grew up watching the cartoon of the X-Men, which still to this day, I think has, all right, the Mandalorian has the greatest theme song of any TV show ever. So I'm going to backtrack on that. The X-Men cartoon from the 90s has the second greatest you know theme song of any TV show ever. Um, you know, grew up with that, grew up with those characters being important grew up, you know, being excited that we're finally getting live action film versions of these characters, some better than others. Um, Yeah, I think we'll just leave it at that. Um, I think they're too important to fans. They're too important to the comic industry that I think the longer they delay it, the more anxiety we have around how they're going to do it And, and the more tension it's going to have about how are they going to are they going to do it right? Or is it just going to be stupid? Like poof, there's mutants now, everybody like deal with it. Um, honestly, what I would really love to see is they figure out a way they're going to do it. And then we get like, essentially what we would consider a whole season of shows of limited run shows with, Here's you know, Cyclops and here's him as a teenager and here's him kind of finding out he has powers and, and having some, some conflicts there and eventually being recruited by Xavier. And then we have an, you know, Colossus and we have all of these other characters just having their own five or six episodes, maybe seven or eight um, of them kind of understanding what happens to them being recruited. And then we, we turn that into the first X-Men film um, I, i'd love to see it but honestly the longer they wait to to give us this or to make a true announcement around expect this to happen you know here's the here's the x-men phase six plan um, you know i think we're all gonna have some anxiety over it yeah
0: um you know here's here's my thought before i get into my my thoughts about this episode as a whole uh one thing that i'd be super excited about for the x-men is because they've prove that they can make it work and you got a little bit of it towards the ending of the X-Men universe here from Fox. I am really excited to see some very, very comic book accurate X-Men costumes. I'm hoping Uh, because they've shown that every other person can, you know, Spider-Man Thor, Iron Man, um, Captain America, they've shown that they can all work very well on screen. So I'd be really excited to see, um, these X-Men uniforms brought to the big screen. But I also think too, Rob, where you said you'd like to see, you know, kind of what this multiverse is. I really think too, that if it's not, you know, kind of clear by Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness, I, I do think we're going to get more of a hint with Spider-Man three with, everything that's being said about Spider-Man and how many characters are in there and characters from the different universe, the movie universes for Spider-Man. Um, and especially to some of the rumors that have been swirling with venom 2. And if you've seen the trailer for Morbius, you understand that there's already some pretty weird uh, hints at a crossover in, in that movie with Michael Keaton showing up in the trailer Um, there's a poster of Spider-Man in the Morbius trailer that's Sam Raimi's version of Spider-Man. Again, I don't think some of those things are just coincidences. I think they're hinting at a bigger universe here. Um, I think Spider-Man 3 will help maybe solidify some of where this multiverse is and exactly what it means. But um, that's my hope at least. But in in terms of WandaVision in Episode 2, I'm going to say I still thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I give the first one four and a half. I would give this one four. Um, still very enjoyable. I like what they're doing. You know, super interested to see what's going on. Um, I, I just there was slightly some of the the newness of it, even though it was only episode two, kind of wore off of, okay, I think I was expecting a little bit more of what's going on, but still a very good episode for me. Um. Harrison, what are your overall thoughts on on this episode?
1: Uh, I think it was simple. I think it was more set off. S- excuse me, set up for future payoff, um, and so it wasn't the most exciting thing ever. Um, but I'm the setup was enjoyable, and as someone who's a big fan of the comics, big fan of the MCU, it's just so much fun to be back in the MCU to hear that title music and to be excited about what's coming. You know, I I'm excited for the payoff that's going to happen and all those great things. So, yeah, I I'm just looking forward to all that's going to happen because it's just going to be lots of fun. So, uh, to answer your question to give a more solid answer, I don't know, I'm kind of in between where I I see that, you know, this episode wasn't the most exciting thing. I'm definitely not going to revisit it most likely in the future, but I'm excited for what it means for what's coming. Gotcha. Rob, your thoughts?
2: You know, I kind of went back and forth between a three and a half and a four because, like I mentioned, there were definitely parts of this that just dragged on for me and just kind of was like, ugh, please get get through this quickly. But, you know, I think what kind of saves it to, to keep it as a four for me is – just some of the charminess between Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany and just how great they are together. I love her sort of solutions for what, what kind of reads is uh, vision is kind of drunk. You know, the, yeah. the gum is like chewing up his works and he's kind of drunk and that's sort of how they're playing it. Um, and just her quick thinking um, the way that she uses her powers to solve those solutions. Um, it's just very charming and, and it's a lot of fun. Um, and I, I like the little animated bit they include to um, you know, to, to pull the gum out. So there's, there's things here to like, there's also things here that are just they can't be over fast enough. Uh, Like Harrison, this isn't an episode I'm probably ever going to rewatch unless for some reason I'm doing like a complete MCU run through with everything included. Um, So I'm going to go with a four. Yeah. um,
0: I I certainly look forward to, obviously we're going to be doing these episodes every single week. So I, I look forward to seeing where this show goes and, one thing that I'll, I'll leave my thought on is Rob, you mentioned it. Um, and it's one of the things that still has these episode, this episode rated higher is from where she was in age of Ultron, you know, her character, I, I was really annoyed with Wanda in age of Ultron. I, really still was not all that sold on her just because of her accent being you know going in and out the way that she used her powers with the weird finger twirls and um i just felt like they didn't really know how to use her so you know this this show has really shown the range and how she's grown into this character um which i'm a huge fan of so i'm I feel like I haven't really mentioned that so far in any of the the things that I've talked about, but I I love where she's taken this character. I think she's really grown into it, but you know, Harrison, we didn't get to do this on episode one, but I'd like to have you take a second here. Anybody that's listened to the show, uh, obviously all of your um, contact information is going to be in the show notes, but you know, plug your show. Uh, We really appreciate you being a part of this, it's awesome that we're going to do this as a collaborative effort here, but um, go ahead, tell people where they can get the basement binge. And if there's anything you got coming down the pipeline individually, um, I'd love for the listeners to hear it. Cause
1: you got you got a great show. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that opportunity, man. I, I'm just excited to be here on the show. You know, just with scheduling the business of my life, I wasn't able to do, I just knew that I wasn't going to be able to do WandaVision for my, podcast as much as i loved doing the mandalorian i just knew i couldn't do one vision so when you say extended the opportunity to do it with you i mean, it was like of course most definitely. <laughs> uh, and then watching the episode and then knowing that i was going to get on with you and rob and talk about it i just made me even more excited about what i was watching so thanks for letting me be here but if you don't know i'm a host for the basement binge you can find it wherever you get your podcast just search the basement binge um or you know Wherever you get your podcast, you can search for The Basement Binge. If you need a website, you can go to the basementbinge.com. or excuse me, thebasementbinge.podbean.com. You know, download wherever you get. I'd appreciate it. You know, there's reviews of the entire MCU. As I stated, the podcast started with a rewatch and re-rank of the entire MCU. It was a ton of work and it was a lot of fun. So if you're in the MCU, you can go check that out. Um, but other than that, there's just some exciting new episodes coming. I took a little break at the beginning of the year but I've been working on some fun, exciting episodes. So yeah, the basement Binge, wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks again, Matt, for giving me that opportunity and for letting me be here. This has been super fun.
0: Yeah. It's been, um, you know, it, it's been fun for us and the episodes that we've done the, the three of us. So I know I'm super looking forward to getting through this season. Uh, not too quickly. Um, cause then, you know, figuring out the next uh, show that we're going to do, but, Um, you know, Rob was, you know, eager to have you come on too. So it's been, it's been awesome being able to do this. So we appreciate you coming on Rob, as always, I appreciate all the help you've, you know, been with this show for me on a personal level. Um, there's a ton of episodes that we've done together. So, um, really appreciate both you guys being a part of this and to, Really, everybody that's listening to the show, um, thank you. Anybody that's come over from The Basement Binge and anybody that listens to this show, if you haven't, seriously, go check out The Basement Binge. Go check out some of Harrison's reviews. Um, he's got reviews on some movies that I feel are sleeper hits. Um, one of them you just did, Harrison, I'm going to plug this, was Warm Bodies. I love that movie. Uh, love that you reviewed it because I don't talk to a lot of people that watch that movie. Um, so it was really cool to that's see a that. one but he's got a lot of great content. Um, you know, we appreciate you listening and look forward to Mondays with Maximoff. Cause you know, we certainly uh, Rob, if you want to plug that, cause I don't want to speak for you,
2: but I think we're all pretty <laughs> excited about, about doing these going forward. Uh Yeah, uh, pretty much if uh, I would say if it's on Disney Plus as a, a series or a show, um, there's a good chance we'll be here breaking it down and uh, making sure that any of the Easter eggs that were presented or little nods or um, anything that's out there that you feel like, wow, there, it seems like there's something there. Um, for, for the listeners who are not already subscribed, please make sure you subscribe because, uh, we will be here to make sure that you don't miss anything or that, uh, references that you maybe didn't catch. Uh, or think or maybe a little over your level of nerdiness, we are nerdy enough to catch it for you. And we will provide it happily uh, week after week. And uh, we look forward to being here um, in your earbuds, uh, um, wherever you may be, or in your car, uh, whatever you might be happy to do right now, uh, while you hear the melodious sounds of our voices. We, uh, we look forward to seeing you then.
0: Yeah. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We're going to catch you next week with Mondays with Maximoff. Thanks a lot.